back to another edition of the Paycast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside TSN Toronto Maple Leafs reporter, Mark Masters. Mark, welcome to the Paycast. Thank you again for coming on. Happy to be here. How have you been doing recently? Uh, you know, I see that you have your uh, Ravens hat on. We have the OUA kicking off football this weekend. Uh, should be a great season there. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's always a great season at Carleton. I'm a proud alumnus. Uh, loved my time at Carleton. Uh, really big help in terms of my journalism career. I'm doing well. End of the summer, looking ahead to the uh, to training camps opening in a couple of weeks, and uh, it's an exciting time. We witnessed quite the match last night between Shapovalov and Rublev. I kind of want to start there. Uh, what were your immediate thoughts following the match? What a battle! Four plus hours. Uh, I felt uh, disappointed for for Dennis because uh, he put a lot of energy into that. I thought he played well enough to win, but. The nature of the sport is that you get into these battles that are so tight, someone's got to lose. So uh, I think overall a pretty positive uh, grand slam for Dennis, who had come in with some mixed results since uh, really the clay court season, since he beat uh, Nadal, uh, since he beat Nadal in Rome, he had kind of had an up and down uh, stretch of results. So I felt positive uh, for his overall grand slam and disappointed that he could not quite get it done against Rublev. Well, we talk about performances that you can build on. And hopefully this one, although it resulted in a loss, he can kind of build off of it and continue for his future. 100%. It's all a building process. Still relatively young. Um, there's going to be ups and downs. He gets reunited with Coach Mikhail Yuzny. I think that's a positive sign for him. And looked like he got a bit of his mojo back. So uh, it's a building block. Hopefully he can finish the year strong and uh, look ahead to, to getting off to a good start next season in Australia. Earlier this summer, uh, when I ran into you at Leafs Development Camp, uh, there was a lot of notable prospects in attendance, you know, Matthew Nyes, Ryan Teverberg, and Nick Abruzzese, to mention a few. Uh, who impressed you the most from that development camp? You know what, I, I didn't get, I was there for that last day, last couple of days, but I didn't get to see, uh, I wasn't there for most of it. Um, but, so I can't really speak to overall who impressed me and whatnot. Uh, Fraser Minton, it was my first like in-person look at him. Uh, they're, they're top pick in the, in the last draft. So I was impressed with him, his hockey IQ, uh, his skating ability. So he's a guy who stood out for me, Fraser Minton from, from the Kamloops Blazers. And I think that one of the better things to come from the development camp was having media scrums back. Are you happy that they are back? Uh, yeah, I think in-person media is always uh, preferable to like Zoom, right? Like I'd rather see the person. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, we seem to be making progress in kind of returning to a bit more normalcy when it comes to, to interactions with the, with players in the media. We'll see if, if reporters are allowed back into to team dressing rooms this year, but it's nice. To, it's nice to be able to do these type of interviews in person. As we're continuing along with the summer, you know, we had Leafs development camp, then we had the world juniors. Was it surprising at all from your perspective to see the empty seats around the arena there this summer? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's the, the middle of the summer. Uh, there's a lot of factors in play, of course. Um, the scandal involving Hockey Canada, the fact that the Oilers went on a lengthy playoff run. So a lot of people in the market had already used up some of their disposable income on that. Um, the world juniors, it feels like I've been in Edmonton forever. So even though they only really got a shot at it in terms of fans attending in December before it got, uh, canceled at, uh, due to COVID, uh, or postponed, I guess. So I, I wasn't terribly surprised. There's just a lot of factors there. I would, I would wager if that's the last time we'll see a summer world juniors, 
it's too bad they couldn't uh, reduce some of the prices to make it a little bit more uh, attractive to, to people in the market. But I think there's a number of reasons why we saw the lack of fans coming out. I, I wasn't too surprised by that. I was happy that we got such a great crowd for the gold medal game. It was an incredible atmosphere. And obviously the game delivered uh, in terms of entertainment value. Well, let's build on that gold medal game. Uh, we have the golden goal, of course, but I think it's fair to say that we have seen the golden save. Yeah, that was amazing. Mason McTavish clearing the puck off the goal line with Connor Bedard right there, also waving away at it. Incredible hand-eye coordination to, to keep that puck. I'm still not 100% sure how he did that. And then David followed up at the other end with Kent Johnson with the golden goal. Golden save to golden goal. It was, it was the perfect ending and it really saved the tournament because as you mentioned, obviously the fans... Uh, fan support wasn't there early in the tournament, but to have a packed house and watch such a such a crazy ending that that was really cool, and that's that's what we'll remember the tournament for now. Like I've watched that replay hundreds of times, and I and like you said, I still can't find a way to figure out how McTavish McTavish uh, saved that puck off the goal line. It was crazy. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's completely sure how it happened. I mean, it was. Great hand-eye, uh, adrenaline just uh, in that moment to keep that puck in off the off the goal line, clear it off the goal line. I mean, it's uh, I'm glad it was him because, you know, he gave up, you know, his time in the summer. He'd already had such a long season, and uh, it was fitting that it was him who made that big play, and it was fitting that Kent Johnson, the other guy on the team with NHL experience, made the, the play at the other end to score the game, you know, championship-winning goal. Let's talk about your, I guess, your story a bit here, starting with uh, your time at Carleton. Uh, is that where you kind of found the passion to cover sports? I had always had a passion to cover sports dating back to when I was a kid. I've always been involved in, in journalism and uh, writing like newsletters for about my family. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's always been something I've been interested in. Uh, Carleton did a great job of fostering that and giving me an outlet for it and getting involved with the student newspaper, the charlatan there, uh, doing community cable kind of play by play of the Ravens games, uh, basketball, uh, and all other different sports. So, uh, Carlton was incredible at fostering that and giving me an opportunity coming out of Carlton with some apprenticeships and internships to help me kind of get off to a good start in the professional world as well. Looking back now, how important was it to be part of the Charlatan uh, school run newspaper to your experience? Yeah, it was, it was really important. I had a great time there. Um, you know, it's, you get on campus, you're nervous, you, you're, you're maybe a little shy and you're looking to find other like-minded people to kind of do things that you love. And the Charlatan helped me with that. I was sports editor. I was editor in chief. Um, um, you make friends that you, that, that you carry on with you and, uh, it's it's it was an awesome experience uh, it really helped uh, you know help me learn the craft a bit more but more even more than that just gave me a place to go on campus gave me people that I enjoyed talking to to be around so it was a great experience and it's nice that you know with everything like I found that when I was at Carleton all the sports venues were so close to residents right so being on your first year it made it easy to cover the teams yeah, when I was at Carleton, I think the, the hockey team, first of all, was in varsity. So my first uh, article I wrote, I had to walk with, uh, I was lucky that my you know, the people, I was, my roommates were would come with me and we walked over to the Civic Center. It wasn't that long of a walk, so just kind of 20-minute walk down the road. And uh, so it was it was there. Now, of course, they have the Ice House and on campus, which is even more convenient. Um, and then, of course, I covered games down at uh, at, uh, at Lansdowne Park, which is right beside the Civic Center. So it, everything's pretty close at Carleton. It's a great campus. 
obviously in the, in the winter, it's, uh, you got the tunnel system underneath, so you don't have to go outside. So great campus. Uh, everything seems to be centrally located. It's, it's great. From there, you interned with the Toronto Argonauts and eventually wrote columns for CFL.ca. Looking at your career as a whole, you're very multifaceted and you have a lot of experience in various sports. What did you learn from this that you carried on into the future? Yeah, I just think you have to have as many skills as possible, be able to write, be able to be on radio, be able to be on TV, do stuff online. Um, you got to, you know, this is the the current uh, media landscape, right? You have to have uh, a lot of different, uh, you know, skills to, to, to make yourself attractive to potential employers. So that's definitely something that uh, Carlton helped me with because, you know, I did radio class, did TV class online, writing was the, the bedrock and the foundation. So um, yeah, Carlton helped me a lot and uh, shaped how I feel about what you need to do to have success in media. The year you interned with the Argos was 2005-2006. That was the year they finished first in the East Division, but eventually lost in the East Final to the Alouettes. Do you remember just how crazy that game was? I I had to go back to school, so I was only there in the summer when I interned, but uh, Ricky Williams was there, so it was really cool and um, to be around him, and there was a lot of media attention, more media attention there. Uh, because of his presence he got injured so he's missing a bunch of games but it was pretty cool to to experience that summer with the team just because there was more media than you could ever imagine and I was an intern in the media department so um, I got to work with some some really great people there and learn learn a little bit on the on the team side of, of how media relations work so that was a great experience for me for those for those four months during the summer before I went back to school in September. That must have been a real eye-opener to you, being so young and noticing just how much media presence there was. Yeah, I mean, I grew up an Argos fan in the city, so I had an idea of what uh, media presence would be like. Um, but obviously, the CFL isn't always the number one story in town. Um, and with Rick Williams on the, on the Argos, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was becoming a really big story. And um, it was cool to be there for that. I don't know if it surprised me, the attention, but it was fun to, to be around the team when that was happening. After your CFL coverage, you were part of the Olympic coverage for the 2010 uh, Olympic Games there. What do you remember from that experience? Yeah, it was tremendous to work uh, in the International Broadcast Center uh, in Vancouver, uh, behind the scenes, helping set up interviews for, for people who were in part of the consortium. Uh, I was focused on curling and figure skating and also international athletes. And there was a great team there that I was happy to be a part of. And in the lead up to the Olympics, I got to work with some incredible people telling or helping tell the stories of the athletes, you know, uh, doing Olympic alerts when, when Canadian athletes won uh, World Cup medals that could air on, you know, across all the platforms that were in the consortium. So uh, it was great to be a part of just a little bit, to be a small part of, of a home Olympics. That's, that's really cool. Although you weren't really focused on the men's hockey side of it with Sidney Crosby scoring the golden goal, what do you remember from that day? I just remember being in the Olympic uh, Broadcast Center and we were watching it. It was on the big screen. It was the last event of the Olympics. And, you know, <laughs> the Americans tied it late. Everyone got a little nervous. And then as Crosby gets the golden goal and everyone cheered and you could hear cheers throughout in the CTV Olympic Consortium area. So that was a really cool and great way to end the Olympics on a high note for everyone, I think, uh, in Vancouver. Such a memorable moment. You'll always know where you were. 100%. I remember where I was sitting and I was at my desk. They had the TV up there with all the coverage. And when Crosby scored, it was, it was great. Big, big cheers, fist pumps. It was awesome.
How did you end up joining T joining TSN? How did I end up joining TSN? Uh, well, my initial uh, initially I I coming out of university I worked at the National Post and then my internship ended there. An internship I had gotten through Carleton, and then uh, uh, I also had had an internship and apprenticeship with CTV uh, National News, uh, working behind the scenes as a you know with their team and some of the people I had worked with there had had transferred over to, uh, to the Olympic Consortium. Uh, I, I put in, I, I applied for uh, a job with uh, TSN as a story editor behind the scenes at, uh, at SportsCenter. And I was able to get that job for a few months and I was you know, writing scripts for hosts. And then after a few months, the Olympic Consortium and the people that I had met at the CTV National News behind the scenes, they, they saw me there and they, they asked if I would come over for the Olympic Consortium. So I, I transferred over. So I had a, about six months there, I was with TSN as a story editor. And then I, after the Olympics, I went back to the National Post and uh, the job at TSN opened. TSN reached out to me and asked if I would be interested. I said, of course. And I was lucky enough to get the job. Not only do you cover, I guess, everything in hockey, but you're also really involved with the tennis world. Like I mentioned at the top, you cover Wimbledon, French Open, and the U.S. Open. With each tournament having so much history, it must be really cool to get the opportunity to cover them. Yeah, and one more thing I just want to add. Dave Naylor is somebody I met at Carleton. who was a mentor of mine, and uh, he gave my name to, to TSN. That's how they reached out to me for the, for the reporter job. So, obviously, I would not have gotten that TSN job without Dave Naylor was a tremendous influence on my early career uh the tennis is great i enjoy going to grand slams wimbledon french open i haven't gone in three years now but back when i was attending grand slams it was awesome um and uh, i hope i get the opportunity to do it again soon when you first heard of the omicron virus did you envision the world juniors postponing and then eventually canceling the entire event uh no i mean you're concerned and obviously um, you know, it's a possibility, but until it happens, I don't think you wrap your head around it. You're pretty close to the event. You're focused on the day-to-day -day stuff, but yes, you knew it was a possibility. Um, and it was so infectious. And obviously you see the NHL teams shutting down and all the positive tests. So in, in retrospect, it would actually should have been expected, but Omicron kind of came out of nowhere in, in a way and caught a lot of people off guard. So I didn't really think about it until, you know, everything <laughs> shut down in Edmonton. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with you. Like, I, I kind of, it caught me off guard. Uh, it caught me by surprise there because at the time, uh, it was around Christmas time, and everyone knows that World Juniors is kind of a Canadian tradition there. So seeing it get canceled, it really uh, sucked that time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was disappointing. I'm glad they were able to make it up to those to that age group, uh, even if some of the players did, weren't able to come back and, and compete. But, I mean, so much of the event is connected to holiday feel in December and you're in the middle of the season versus the middle of the summer. So um, yeah, it was disappointing. And also, as we mentioned, there wasn't as many fans in the summer. So the, the, that city kind of lost a real world junior feel to it for sure. But uh, it's the way it goes. I mean, this is the reality we're living in. You kind of just got to roll with the punches. Soon the NHL season's going to be ramping up. My question is what is your game day routine like? Yeah. I mean, it's, Game day routine is go to the morning skate in the morning. You have an idea of what kind of the story you want to tell is. and You request the players and, and you, you do the questions. You ask the questions to the players and try and get uh, the best answers you can. Talk to the coach, write up the story, um, 
shoot the, the on-camera elements. Um, then the game starts. Uh, that's, you know, around six. You do your live hit maybe for SC and then seven o'clock game. And after the game, you go down uh, the locker room, talk to the players, get their feedback. Maybe there's something to do post game and then start it all again at practice the next day. And I just got to say, like, I think you have one of the best jobs in the world. Like I love uh, covering sports there and to see you have so much fun and to see you, you know, the professionalism you bring is just amazing to see as a young uh, broadcaster myself. Oh, thank you. I appreciate hearing that. It's a lot uh, of fun. The Maple Leafs, you know, their playoff success has not been great recently. Uh, they held multiple series leads, 3-1, 3-2 over the past few seasons. In your opinion, what do they have to do to get past the first round? Yeah, beats me. I mean, maybe a ritual, uh, got to sacrifice an animal or something to, to get some of their bad luck out of the way uh, because, uh, you know, they've been one goal away in overtime last two years and they've come close and it just hasn't happened now facing pretty darn good goalies but yeah they've they've led series even that first series 2-1 over Washington um so they've had their chances but you know I don't know I don't know what it's going to take um honestly there's going to have to be a year where they just say won't be denied and uh regardless of the matchup they have the talent to to basically take over a series you would think so but it's tough you know Tampa's amazing they Made three straight cup finals, one, two. Um, Montreal had some crazy voodoo going on two years ago. Um, made the cup finals, they beat Vegas. Uh, Boston has been so good for so long. And so they're, they're running, I mean, the Columbus series, it was so weird in the bubble. Um, so there's, I mean, you can say something about every series, but ultimately if you don't win even one of them, there's going to be questions. And I don't have the answer. And you just, if you're a Leafs fan, you hope Kyle Dubas uh, does. During that first round series against Montreal, were you happy to see fans back in the building? Because it must have been weird going to games without them. Yeah, well, we had uh, 550, I think, for game seven. So uh, it was great have even a little bit of, an, of a crowd in there. Uh, there's more in Montreal. So it was great to see that, uh, a few thousand or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, phew, it's much better with any fans versus no fans, no doubt about that. So that was a nice sign that maybe we're heading back in the right direction after a full season with empty buildings in Canada. What were the protocols like they had to go under during that bubble playoffs? Bubbles for the Columbus series um, when everyone was in, in Toronto in the Eastern conference. Yeah. Uh, well, we didn't see anyone in person. Everything was on zoom and we just I think we showed up an hour hour and a half before the game and uh, i'm not sure we didn't even have uh, vaccines yet so we we were able to to just watch um from the press box observe with masks on so that was we'd show up to a certain entrance and we would never go inside the bubble uh but we would just be in the building for the games go on zoom and then we'd usually go outside we wouldn't do our our uh, reporting inside we'd do it outside and it was the summer so weather was okay as I'm going to close off this interview here, I want to ask you one last question, which is, do you have any advice for younger sports journalists? Yeah. I mean, you just got to follow your dream. You know, it's not going to be uh, easy. It's not going to be a straight line. You might have to do different jobs. And uh, like I was behind the scenes at, as a story editor at TSN for a while and at the Olympics behind the scenes. So, I mean, you just, uh, if you love it enough and you feel, and you're good enough, you'll, you just have to believe that it's going to happen eventually is the key. And do everything, do everything you can to, to, to advance your, your goal. So I guess have faith, 
have fun and work hard. Well, I'd like to thank again, Mark Masters for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you again, Mark. My pleasure.